Welcome to the In the Bag podcast. I'm your host from the frozen tundra of Houston, Texas, Jonathan Slaughter. And with me, as always, is Jazzy James Haldeman. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? You sound a little uh, stuffy this morning. <clears throat> well, that's what happens whenever it goes from 60 to 29, and then it will be 70 in three days. So. It's 29 degrees in Houston, Texas today? <clears throat> it was last night. It's like uh, I think it's like 35 right now. Oh, that's chilly. Luckily, yeah. you guys didn't get any snow. That kind of would have been cool, though, right? It's happened before. You know, we had to, like, go out and cover our pipes and do all that kind of stuff that homeowners have to do uh, in order to, <laughs> <laughs> to ensure that, you know, your pipes don't bust in the middle of the night. But, uh, yeah, and, uh, I mean, it, it has snowed before, like, probably four or five times in my lifetime where it's, like, actually stuck on the ground. So Okay, all right, all right. So, so you're not necessarily a stranger to this, but it is unfamiliar. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, and it's usually cold in this time, like, for whatever reason, Thanksgiving's always, like, really brisk, like, it'll be in the 40s, but then Christmas rolls around, and it's, like, 70, so, you Everybody's know. at the beach for Christmas? Yeah, it's it's very strange. Yeah, we, but, uh, uh, we had friends in for the last, what, 10 days from the Detroit area, who had lived out here five years previously, and my buddy is a big golfer, basically a scratch golfer, he's who I started playing with when I started to play. And so he wanted to go play a bunch of times because when he gets back, he just he just puts his club in the garage, clubs in the garage for six months and can't go play anymore. So we got out a few times and played some played some pretty good golf this weekend, course wise, and just kind of like I scored scored well, putted well, did some did some things well. I've been trying to work on, and he made five straight birdies at Harding on the back nine, which is oh pretty impressive. He made like a <laughs> he made like a twenty five foot left to righter for birdie the for like his third one and then at that point the next two were just like kick-ins it was it was pretty fun to watch he he's he had never made five birdies in a row in his life and then we go to a course where they're setting up the track for the pga championship like clearly growing more rough in and stuff and he makes five in a row it was, it was pretty fun <laughs> that was wild we had a week off last week and and then i think you'll have to do the podcast solo next week as i'll be recovering from hand surgery oh uh, yes so I don't know. Although we'll I bet your takes on pain medication would probably be pretty fun. Yeah, we'll see. I don't. This, my surgery is on Tuesday, so we'd have to record it on Wednesday, depending on how I feel. We'll see. We'll see. From um, from the from the uh, surgery room, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think I'll be home. I hope I don't have to stay overnight. I, I wouldn't imagine. But either way, yeah. So we uh, so we had a week off last week. It was nice to kind of you know take a take a stock look at how everyone's doing and and kind of review our notes and hopefully that will help us moving forward we have another wgc event in mexico this week is that right yeah i don't is it a wgc event or is it just, is it just I, it's just the mayacoba okay so and it is uh where mexico is it uh it's a little bit south of cancun oh well lucky these guys yeah last year there's like a video circulating that pga put out Last year, I think Ricky Fowler was on like the ninth or tenth green, and Zach Johnson and Bronson Bragoon, or is it Cameron Tringale, and somebody else are just like sitting up on the roof of their hotel room after they didn't make the cut, cheering for him uh, <laughs> on the course in like their their uh, robes and stuff because it was so warm there. They were just out watching the course from the roof. And it's pretty funny. So I lucky them. Looks like a really beautiful place. I was looking at some of the holes online and that sort of stuff. So. Definitely uh, looks like a fun place to relax for a few days and play some golf. Absolutely, and yeah, you are correct. It's not a WGC, which means that we have a cut this weekend, which is mm-hmm. definitely a change in terms of, uh, sort of, I guess, in terms of what we've been doing, but it's still not as 
it's not a full field. It's 128, right. which is which is still a little less than normal. But either way, it's closer to a, a real event. You have to be uh, pick and choose where you want to be risky with your plays. And yeah, it should be interesting. So what kind of course are we looking at this weekend? And how long have they played there? Uh, they're at the El Chameleon Golf Club. It's been played there for... I think about 10 years now. We're heading to a par 71 this week. We're taking away a par 5. And the course is quite short, not just because we're taking away a par 5 and a hole, but also because the par 3s are pretty short, 155 yards, and the three par 5s are only like 530, 550. It plays as one of the easier courses on tour. Last year it was the 10th easiest with respect to strokes against uh, par, and 18th the year before. And at this place, because it is shorter, uh, players tend to not hit driver off the tee a lot. So fairways and greens end up being hit at a lot higher rate than average just because of the length of the course. They get to club down, and then they also have shorter approach shots. So the five main stats we'll be looking at this week, uh, we'll start with strokes gained approach. If we're assuming everyone's going to be playing from the fairway more often than usual, we want players that we think are going to get the ball the closest on their approach shots to the greens. So I, I weighted that as the, the heaviest stat in the model this week. Uh, we'll look at par 5 scoring again, even though there's one less. El Chameleon gave up the 12th most eagles last year in any tournament, despite only having three par 5s. So it's going to be uh, very important to have people that can score on, on the opportunities they do have at par 5s. Uh, we also want to take advantage of people who are going to make birdies here. The last four winning scores have averaged 20 under par, so we're going to look at birdie or better percentage on par fours. And then while fairways do get hit more often because people club down, it is important to hit those fairways. There is trouble with bunkers, uh, thick rough, that sort of stuff, water on this course. So we're going to look at driving accuracy. And then finally, approach proximity from 150 to 175 yards. Like I said, all the par threes are about 155 to 160 yards. And because of the length of the holes and the what, what clubs it allows players to hit, this also ends up being where a lot of approach shots on par fours and par fives are hit from. So I think those are the five stats I want to look at this week. I think proper ball placement is very important for these guys, and, and a lot of guys should give themselves some good opportunities for birdies this week. It should be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, so I have a, and this is just a, a question in terms of how you uh like so in this in this type of course where people are not hitting driver off the tee how useful is it to you to weigh accuracy off the tee because typically accuracy off the tee is where people are driving the ball not where they're hitting you know iron long irons and hybrids or even woods so i mean do you just say like this you know people are this accurate off the tee so therefore it just trickles down to all their other clubs or do you change how you weight it like maybe compare it to iron shots of over you know 200 yards in proximity or what exactly do you do because i always i always struggle with this whenever i try I, to figure out what i'm doing i pared down how much i weighted driving accuracy in the model so it is of the five things that i talked about there it is uh, the lowest impact on my ratings for the players this week. I still think guys will have drivers out, right? Par fives. Uh, some people will be able to hit three woods into into and get there in two, but some guys don't have that sort of length. So in that situation, I, I think guys will have drivers out of the bag, and I think there are holes where guys will try and take advantage of their length. Guys like Tony Finau or something like that. So I do think it is important to have just because of the trouble of the course, and there are opportunities to be more aggressive. But I weighted it much less than I would a course that was 73, 7,400 yards with, with uh, this type of you know, tight fairway or whatever. 
So I, I hope that answers the question, but uh, that's no, the way I looked at it. No, I think it does. I think I, I always try to kind of, kind of combine the two with, with what I think they're going to be hitting off the, the course. You know, and unfortunately, it's really hard to find like three wood accuracy off the, you know. Yeah, it's not a real uh, thing. Uh, right. And so, you know, that would be obviously a much more helpful stat than just pure driving accuracy this weekend. Except Henrik Stenson, every driving accuracy stat is a three-wood accuracy stat for him. <laughs> right, exactly. And But he's not here this weekend. And, and there's not a lot of guys that hit the ball far going into this. I mean, Day, Finau, Champ, there, there, Aaron yeah, Wise. There aren't a ton of bombers here this week. So, you know, that... So that's kind of interesting. I guess maybe Varner would even qualify as someone who's probably in the top 10 of distance this weekend. Right. Yeah, for this field, yeah. Do you have any golfers that are clubbing up or clubbing down going into this weekend? I have two guys in the club up section. I have Russell Knox. He's playing really solid golf, coming off his two best finishes of the year at the Houston Open and the Bermuda last weekend. So that on top of the fact that he is... A guy that is a really solid iron player, accurate off the tee. I think he'll put himself in really good positions to score. And I think that's evidenced by the fact that he plays really well here. He's averaged like a sixth-place finish over his last three starts here. So I think Russell Knox is playing well, comes into a place he likes, and that's going to be good for him. And then, just because we've ragged on him before for not doing it, Scotty Scheffler finally scored well on a Saturday and Sunday. He went below 60, or below 70. If he went below 60 all four rounds, and he didn't win, that would have been bad. Uh, he went, went below 70 all four rounds of the Bermuda, so I'm excited for him. I'm excited to watch him this week. I think he's a guy trending in the right direction. And then my only guy for club down is Tony Finau. I don't know what it is. I, maybe it's pressure from the President's Cup thing, and it'll kind of roll off his back this week, and he can play a little more free uh, since he made the team. But he just hasn't been able to put put it together with accuracy off the tee, and his putters just completely failed him up to this point in the season. Uh, he had two 50-plus place finishes in his two starts in Asia. So he's just, he just struggling, and I think he'll turn it around, but I don't know if it's going to be this week, but he's definitely trending in the wrong direction for me. All right, well, let's get into it. Uh, as as always, we'll start with the... Uh, I think I want to ch- I want to change it a little bit this weekend just because of how, on, honestly, how I have the guys ranked. Sure. And I will go 9K up, 7K to 9K, and then 7K down. Yeah, uh, sounds good. Because I, I think there's a lot that's kind of in this lower 7K. I don't know. I like the 7K range this weekend, so I, I want to kind of group them together for discussion purposes. Sure. So with the expensive guys, I think this is pretty interesting in terms of what we have for the ownership breakdown so far and the types of players that we have in here kind of like all over the place compared to normal so we have Kuchar, the you know the winner last year, but hasn't played yet this year. Is that correct? Has he played? I don't think he's played yet this year. Yeah, and so uh, at least it's the rollover of the you know the PGA calendar, if you yeah. will. Uh, right, but right, he's right. All, but he's only projected at eight percent ownership, and you know people are bringing up last year with you know with the caddy and all that type of stuff, and I don't I don't really think that's going to factor into how he's going to play this no, year. No, I don't think that factors into it at all. But he's the most expensive guy, but he's the second, you know, projected to be the second lowest owned guy out of this group after, uh, after Aaron Wise. And then we have, you know, kind of consistent players like Knox, Howell, Horschel, and then you kind of have some younger guys with Griffin and Neiman. Uh, and then you have your, and Hovland, obviously, and then your kind of, I guess, like PGA veterans and Day and Finau. So right. it's a pretty interesting group. Who do you like? Uh, or, or who do you think is the best play? Who do you think is the best value? And who are you going to stay away from? I think the best play is also who I think the best player in the field is. I think it's Victor Hovland. 
I think he's played solid up to this point this year. And he's going to win at some point. I think his game fits the course. He's a really accurate off the tee. He's a really good iron player. In the model, the thing he's kind of lagging behind in is par 5 scoring. But I, I don't think that's like who he is. I think he's a very good par 5 scorer in the long run. And I think his, his game fits this course very well. I think the best value here is Russell Knox for the, the dollars you're paying for the consistency he has in this field. He is one of two guys who in the stat model, ranks in the top 100 in every single stat. So I think for 9,300, if he's your top guy, you can build a really solid, you know, mid to high price roster around him. And then the guy I'm avoiding is the guy we talked about at first is Matt Kuchar. I'm kind of on the public with this one, which feels bad, but oh well. I just, Matt Kuchar hadn't won for like four years until last year and then he goes out and wins two tournaments he's third going into the fedex cup and then does i don't even think he made the tour championship because he played so poorly toward the end of the year and i'm with you i don't think the caddy thing impacts anything for me going into this week i just i i just am not as big a fan i think in matt kuchar's game i think what he did last year was more of a flash in the pan than the real deal and, and I, that's just where i stand on him and then finau like i said i i don't know i feel like this course can fit him because he gets the club down and his you know struggle is has been off the tee driving accuracy he gets to put more irons in his hand or a second strokes gained approach and so you know he hits those clubs well imagine he hits them off the tee well so it could be an opportunity for him to turn it around but he's he's still got to make putts and and kind of figure some things out so Vino is somebody i was very tempted to put in my lineup of guys to play but for the most part i stuck to hovland and knox yeah i think Finau is interesting this weekend i mean normally i do not like Finau, and i think there are some things to really like about it and i think there are some things to really not like about him and i just I'm weighing these in my head, and I'm not really sure where to go because I do think you get a course, like you said, that's given up, you know, one of the most amount of eagles despite having one less, you know, par five than probably every other course that's above it in that rank. Right. I would, you know, that seems like it should be a Tony Finau track. Like you said, the iron play or, you know, the woods off the tee ought to help his accuracy, and he's obviously long enough where he's still going to be out driving people. Right. I, but... It, Again, you know, it just comes down to the small things on a, on a shorter course that I'm just not sure. If he's, if he's not, it's a risk in the sense that if he's able to overpower it, he's definitely going to do well. But if he's not able to overpower it and he's really got to finesse it, he's not going to do well. And right. I haven't decided, you know, it's like trying to figure out. He's someone I think I like betting more than I like in the, in the DFS. And it, I guess maybe I'll have him in a couple lineups, but it's like trying to figure out the game script and like in an NFL game, like, is it going to be a shootout or is it going to be a defensive, you know, type right, game? Right. And it could go either way, depending on how the teams come out. And you're just not sure. I f- that's how I kind of feel about Fino. Um, yeah. I'm currently situated with two lineups featuring Hovland as my guy I built around, or sorry, five lineups with Hovland as my guy I built around. And I have, uh, four with Knox as my guy I built around. And I'm considering doing two or three with Fino just because I think his, upside this week is there and i do think there's probably some monkey off the back thing with finau getting that call from tiger and making the president's cup team and not having to worry about it anymore and so i i think he's a guy that is a big risk reward play and i'll probably be a little bit a little bit more floor based with the rest of the guys in that those lineups that i play and kind of let him be the guy that dictates how high it goes if that makes sense yeah i mean i i kind of i agree with you on hovland i think he's the best play Kuchar, it's not that I think he's a bad play. It's just he's significantly overpriced for what I think he's going to do. 
Right. I mean, I mean, just for his talent, I think he's he does fit this course well, but I just don't love it. I don't know. Maybe I'll have him in a couple lineups again. I'm just not sure. I think that my favorite play though is Neiman because I think he is probably the second best iron player in this group of guys after Hovland. At least you know how he's played over the last year and change. He's sure. excellent. I don't think he's inaccurate off the tee, but I really think if he's able to just if this is going to become an iron course, he's as good as anyone, and I think he has a great chance to win. So I think that is probably who I'm going to focus in on a lot of my lineups. What is ne- what is Neiman's ownership right now? It's it's moderate. It's seventeen percent. Yeah. Okay. Hovland's, so, Hovland's the guy that's like everybody's on this week. Right, he's at 24. But I mean, yeah. if any of these guys, really the only guys that are not in between 14 and 17% are Kucher, Hovland, Wise, and that's it. Everyone else is in that range. So Yeah, it's, it, it's an it, interesting spread percentage-wise. Everybody's kind of like on everybody. Right, and so yeah, it's, it's exactly. So, you know, you just got to, again... You just got to pick the right guys, and I think you'll be able to differentiate yourself whenever we move down in the range of this upcoming range from 9 to 7. And there's a lot of guys I like. Well, well, let's, I don't know, maybe we should break it down into two, because are there there are a few guys that you like that are like in the 8K range, right? Yeah, there are a couple guys I like in the 8K range. I think 9 to 7 is a fine place to go here, though. Okay, and I think that there's a lot. So the the most popular guys in this range are, we have Harris English, 21%, which is, I'm probably going to stay away from him just because of that. Not I, I do like Harris English a lot, obviously. And the other guy is Harmon, and I think Sabatini was the other guy that was really pretty highly owned yeah i think so too yeah yeah and so i think there's a lot of pivots off of these guys now i'll probably probably play sabatini because he rates well and i like playing him but i think that there are a lot of pivots that you can do from uh from Harmon uh that will that allow you to pick someone like hovland or whatever and really have a different type of lineup that uh most people aren't going to play but let's go who who are some of your favorite plays give me two from the ak two from the 7K, and then one guy that you're going to stay away from in each of those categories. My favorite play is in the 8K range. I have two of them. Uh, Emiliano Grillo, who is a guy that can't putt to save his life, but he is you know, basically second to none in a lot of fields he walks into as far as iron play is concerned. So he gets an opportunity to play shorter iron shots where he ranks pretty highly from the approach proximity distance he gives himself shorter putts and again putting is the most volatile thing week to week you never know when he's just going to have a week where he just puts okay and then gives himself a chance to win uh, that's evidence he's not finished outside the top 15 here in the last three years so i think Grio's a good play and the guy i like is going with the public again i like harris english uh, he's probably been the most consistent outside of like uh, Lanto Griffin has all top twenty finishes, but like Harris English has two top tens to go along with all of his like top thirty finishes. He's made every uh, cut. He is the other guy outside of Russell Knox who ranks in the top one hundred in every statistical category that you know we feel is pretty important this week. So I'm I'm not using that play as the opportunity to distance myself from other people. I'm going to find it other places. The two guys I like below eight K. The most I've I have three plays that I like. I love Sebastian Munoz. He actually rates out the highest in my model, and that's just based solely on the fact that he's sixth in strokes gained approach on tour this season, and he is third in par five scoring. He's averaging like four point three one on his par fives. Uh, so he 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 offers 
you know, a unique opportunity to score all across the course uh, better than the other guys. Uh, I really like Doc Redman this year. He misses out on being the third guy that is in the top 100, or not this year, this week. He misses out on being the third guy that is in the top 100 by, like, being 101 in par 5 scoring average. So He's, still he, he's my favorite player. Yeah, he's, still, he's scoring incredibly well. And the other guy I like is Ryan Armour. He's been playing a lot better recently. He finished, like, 13th at Bermuda. Uh, he missed a couple cuts to start the season, but Houston Open was, I think, tied for 25th, had a top 10 at uh, Bermuda, or, yeah, Bermuda, and his price is pretty low, so I think he gives you some opportunities. As far as guys that I don't like in these price ranges, Graham McDowell's a little higher owned than I think I'm comfortable playing. And then up top, I'm just not going to play Cam Champ. He hasn't played for a few weeks. He didn't play any of the, the Asia swing. And his iron play is not good enough for me to go, oh, he can still overpower the course with a three iron or a three wood or whatever in his hand. I think the driver is his biggest weapon, and when it isn't the weapon that he can use it as, I just don't think he's the play going into any given week, even if his price is pretty uh, appetizing this week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple plays I think are pretty interesting, and I think there's a lot of, it depends on what, like how you view things. I think there's a couple guys that have good track records that were terrible last year, not at this event, just in general, and that have looked like they may have turned the corner and that being Keegan and Zach Johnson, who I right. both like in this range. You know, they're veterans, and they just were terrible last year. And they've, I, I, I don't know if they've turned the corner, but they've at least put up some performances that lead you to believe that they can do well. And I think this is a type of course that fits them. Um, and then there's some guys that have played badly this year, but I think this is a type of course that fits them. And that's Ches Reavy and Kevin Streelman. They both have just, they've been terrible. I mean, like, what is there to say? But I think that, you know, if length isn't going to be an issue, these guys are as good at, at anyone at, at hitting greens and hitting fairways with less than driver. And so... Yeah, I, I'm I'm 100% with you on the chess thing. The, the other guy I think that fits that mold is Scott Piercy. Mm-hmm. In, in I, the situation I, where he's not a long player, but yeah. And Vaughn Taylor is another guy that, yep. that kind of yeah, has a, a similar mold who hasn't, you know, really played that well this year. I think the guy that I'm, I'm going to avoid, there's two of them, and JT Poston's one of them, just because it's not that I don't think he, I don't think he's a bad fit for this course. His ownership is just significantly just too high, and I just don't want to deal with that. And then the other guy is, I think Varner is the other guy, and that's just because I know he's played well this year. I just don't trust him in a course where you're going to have to rely on his irons and he doesn't get to use his driver, which I think is is one of his best attributes. Yeah, I think that's fair. I have a little more faith in Harold Varner's irons. He's he's a player. He's a guy I'll play in some lineups to try and differentiate myself because I don't think he's going to be super highly owned. But I don't expect you know more than a potential top twenty finish from Harold Varner this week. Like I don't I. And he did. Have, I think he finished tied for six last year here, or maybe a couple years ago. So he he plays the course fine. He's just not somebody that I'm like looking to for my ceiling at the bottom. So right. like, I, I we talked about this a little bit before the podcast when I was doing my research. I found that four of the top ten finishers this tournament last year came from the seventy four hundred to sixty nine hundred range, and that's just because I think the way this course is situated, it gives a lot of guys an opportunity to play really well, and so. The guys we talk about here could very well end up winning the tournament or finishing third or whatever. But yeah, I think I think Doc Redmond's the best best play, probably best value down here. He's just been playing really well. I think I he's a top. I think he finishes top ten this week. I'll I'll just go on the record as having said that. 
I like it. And then another guy, I, I, need, I want your opinion on two guys, because I think Kyle Stanley is an interesting pivot from like a Sabatini or a, Har- mm-hmm. or a Harman. And then also, I think people won't play him, but I think Kevin Kisner is kind of like Matt Kuchar light. And I think he's kind of interesting this weekend. I think Kevin Kisner is really, really good. He was somebody that has been playing better as of late. And I know some people kind of wanted him on the President's Cup team because he's never really got to play a lot of team events. So he, he's a really good golfer. I like Kevin Kisner. I think I've got him in two or three lineups this week. So I'm, if you pivot to Kisner, I'm 100% happy with it. I, I think he's a really solid play this week. And then I feel the same way about Stanley. I think he's a good pivot from the guys that are in that Harmon range where they're going to be really highly owned. I just think Harmon's such an interesting case because in this quality of a field three weeks ago... He was a 9,200 play or 9,700 play, and now he's that cheap, which is why a lot of people are on him. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if you want to pivot from him and separate yourself, and I don't think he played great in that tournament, so I, I, I think pivoting from you know the Harmons is a, is a pretty good pretty good idea this week. Okay, I like it. And then we can go to the cheap guys, the below 7K guys, and there's a ton of guys in this range that I like. Yep. I'll just, I mean, I don't want to say there's guys Give me names. I don't like. I got, I got like seven names. All right, let's hear them. We got Naismith. This is like going from cheapest to, to most expensive. Okay. Naismith, Roberto Diaz, you know, local guy. Uh, Tyler Duncan, who's popped in a couple tournaments. Mackenzie Hughes, who's last year was like close to 8,000 in some tournaments, and he just hasn't played well this year, but I think he's a pretty right. good iron player. My boy C.T. Pan, who's my favorite player in this range. You know, if length isn't an issue, I think he's going to be right up there or has the potential to be right up there. Uh, Peter Maldonado, who's popped in tournaments just like this. Obviously, the field maybe isn't quite as strong as, or this field is stronger than what he normally pops in, but I think he is pretty good. Hank Lebiota and Kevin Chappell. I like Kevin Chappell. He's on my list. I'm really high on Joel Damon this week. Just a really good iron player and has started to play better as of late. Fabian Gomez has made every cut peaked last last or two weeks ago with a I think a top five finish. So I'm pretty high on Fabian Gomez. James Hahn, who has a twenty fifth here last year and has been playing pretty well. I think he's a little higher priced than that, but that's fine. Yeah, I, I Maverick McNeely's in this tournament. I'm never gonna not bet Maverick McNeely or at least play him in one one lineup. So I think there are a lot of guys down here that you can play that will give you a pretty decent opportunity to to have a solid top 20, top 30 finish. Yeah, and I mean, there, there's even other guys that I think are pretty interesting. I may have, I'm kind of like waffling back and forth with like uh, Sam Ryder, mm-hmm. uh, who's, you know, this is the type of course where he can do well in, or Patrick, you know, Patton Kaziri. Patton Kaziri won here two years ago, or three years ago. So I'll probably have him. I mean, he's at less than a percent projected ownership. <laughs> so that's pretty crazy for a, a I, fa- former winner to be that low. I know he struggled until this point this year, but Jonathan Vegas is only sixty-eight hundred. I don't. I don't think this is a course fit for him. Not if just, you say so. He just doesn't get to drive. Damon. So Damon, you're on. I'll leave him in. Just for I'm you. on Damon. Matt Jones, I know he drops out, but when he hasn't dropped out this year, he's played really, really well. Oh, I was right about James Vaughn. He's only 6,400, so I'm actually higher on James Vaughn than I realized I was. <laughs> nice. And then uh, Campos is a like, cheap, 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 cheap guy at 6,100 that I feel like could play pretty well. Gotcha. That's how I felt about Naismith, who's had, had his moments this year. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think this is a pretty interesting tournament. You have definitely guys with pedigree down at the bottom who I don't think should be as cheap as they are. And 
And I think that, I don't know, like the top of the field is just not as, I'm, I'm definitely going to stick to a very narrow group of guys, I think, at the top because there's just so, only so many guys that I really trust. And then after that, I'm going to venture out and I play my like parachute of men, you know, cheap right. guys to kind of like balance it out. The one guy we didn't talk about that I've, I've like worked to fit into a couple lineups this week is Carlos Ortiz. Okay. Like 76, 7,800. I just, I don't know, something about he's in Mexico. And I think this is a course that fits him pretty well. And I think he's priced under, I think it's weird that he's more expensive than Sebastian Munoz. I think he should be a little bit cheaper than that. But I just think it's somebody who, who has an opportunity to play pretty well this week. Okay. Oh, and then another guy that I know people have like talked about, and I don't know how to feel about him, is Chris Kirk, who's done well in the past. Right, I think this yeah. is like his first tournament back from like alcoholism. He went, alcohol, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, he was turned himself in and and whatnot. So I think he's a interesting play. I probably will have him in a lineup. Ooh, uh, okay. But just one, one of twenty. Yeah, that's not that big a deal. Right. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's go move on to the betting. Uh, we'll work our way backwards here. We'll start with the top 20s and uh, work our way up. I mean, I think this is a fascinating. I think you could go one of two ways because there's not the, the highest guy to win is, you know, is plus 1,800. There's three of them. And I think you can really you – you can either pick – and I haven't decided how I'm going to go here. You can either pick guys that you think are long shots to finish in the top 20 or you can go heavy and pick, you know, guys that are like the, at the top, like Day or Kucher or whatever, to finish in the top twenty, and you're they're barely just under or over one to one, which right. is you know not bad value, all things considered. So, yep. how are you? How are you attacking this? What guys do you like? And I guess like what you know, what type of strategy are you gonna have uh, when doing this? More than usual, I have less winners. Mm-hmm. this week same usually usually i'm playing more winners and i just because that's what i feel i've been best at this year uh but i'm I'm kind of pivoting a little bit this week i just think there's not a lot of numbers i really really like at the top so i i have like <laughs> 15 top 20 plays that i like so i may only dedicate like half a unit to my winners and take that other half and put it in my top 20 plays if that makes sense. Yeah. And absolutely. then, and then, and then focus a little less on winning and my top tens and just kind of dig into the top twenties and try and try and make my stand there. Also, it's where I'm trying to improve. So I'd like to try and make more plays there just to kind of figure out maybe if my strategy needs to be different and the guys I'm looking for and that sort of stuff. So I'm going to be focusing top twenties this week primarily. And to your point, I'm, I'm doing a bit of a mixture. I only have one of the really high price guys in my top 20 plays. And then, kind of sprinkled you know the the mid-range guys and then i've kind of focused on some longer range plays this week uh to see what i can get going there but there were some names i really really liked there okay well uh let's start with the top 20 who do you who do you got hovland at minus 105 is my one you know basically one-to-one guy that i'm gonna play i just think in a field like this again he's the best golfer there's just not much of a doubt in my mind that he comes in minus 105. The other guy I'd play there is Jason Day. I think Jason Day is essentially a lock, and I, I have him in my thoughts. I don't know 100% that I'm going to play him yet. Just I'm going to rattle off names now that we've already talked about. Uh, Russell Knox, plus 140. McCarthy, plus 170. Harris English, plus 170. Griot, plus 150. Lanto Griffin, plus 190. Hasn't finished outside of the top 20 in a tournament this year. I'm going to ride that. 
Harold Varner plus two thirty. Sebastian Munoz is plus three hundred. Who I again I rates as the the guy to win the tournament in my model, so I'm gonna take that. Uh, Bronson Bragoon plus three twenty five. His only problem is that he's been kind of errant off the tee. I think he gives himself an opportunity to not do that as much this week. And then I get into my longer odds. Joel Damon's plus four fifty. I know you don't like him as much, but Vegas at plus 450 for a top 20 is just like a really good line to me. Kevin Chappell plus 500, Maverick McNeely plus 500, James Hahn plus 700, and Rafael Campos at plus 850. I'm, I'm with you, I think, on Hovland and Day. I, I, like, I think I'm going to have be heavy on them and maybe less crazy. I think a lot of the top 10 plays is like where I'm going to stick my range. I'm kind of okay. like going through this right now. But, you know, I'm definitely going to reach down. CT Pan is, you know, someone I'm going to play a lot of. I think Ryder at plus 450 is, is definitely pretty good odds. Uh, Stanley at plus 375 and Armour at plus 350 I think is also pretty good. And then for these like super cheap guys, I think, you know, Naismith, I think I'll have a little bit in the top 20, get him at plus 1,000. That's uh, a good number. Yeah, it's not bad. And maybe Mac Hughes, I think would be my last one there. So I think that that is where I'm going to stick. So I have Hovland, Day, Pan, Ryder, Armour, Hughes, and uh, Naismith. Okay. Well, you said you have more in the top ten that you like. So, what are you looking at there? Yeah, so in the top ten, I think I'm gonna be. I think I, I don't. I haven't decided if like I think my Mickelson play might be here with with Neiman. I like him a lot. I think that may. I will be. I think that may be my biggest bet of the weekend. And if, but we'll we'll see. I th- that's how I'm leaning right now. Either that or Hovland in the, in the top twenty. But okay. I like. Uh, but I like Kisner here at. Uh, hold on, let me scroll down. You get Kisner at what plus. 325, is that right? I think so, yeah. Plus 325, yeah. Revi, Fratelli, Piercy, Redmond, Lebiota, and CT Pan. I'm just going to have CT Pan all the way through. Yeah. So I have Munoz at plus 600, which I think is an insane line for somebody that's won a tournament and finished, you know, 23rd in another this year. I, I don't know why his price continues to be so low. Like, it makes no sense to me, but I'm going to ride it until they adjust it in these, you know, less powerful tournaments. Russell Knox plus two eighty, Scotty Scheffler plus three twenty five, Doc Redman plus eight hundred. Which again, I think he finishes top ten this week, so I'm pretty excited about that. Scott Piercy plus six fifty, and this is where I have Carlos Ortiz in my betting at plus five fifty. Okay, yeah, I, I, I like that Ortiz play. I mean, I think that I definitely think that's interesting. And then for the winners, like you said, I don't have a lot. I have, I have, I think Grio is what I'm going to go heaviest on. I'll probably just do a little bit of day because I like betting on day. Right, but, for, for uh, sure, um, but. I think I'm only going to have Day, Grio, and Pan. Okay. I have I have more names than that. Uh, I have Hovland, Knox, Grio, English. I have McCarthy written down. Don't think I'll play McCarthy, but it's just a, a, a name and a number I liked. Uh, Munoz, 6,600, I'm going to play. Zach Johnson, uh, 80 to 1, I'm going to play. And then I'm not going to do much on these final four guys, but they are four guys that I like the numbers on. Ryan Armour at 100 to 1, Doc Redmond at 100 to 1, Joel Damon 125 to 1, and then Campos at 250 to 1. I think are all, you know, like worth putting $5 on just to see if they win. Okay, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of guys you can dig deep here because I think that this tournament will produce some really random winners. Yeah, I think I agree with you as well. Like, 
I mean, as unrandom as Kucher was last year, he still hadn't won up until that point in like three or four years, right? So while he's one of the bigger names in golf and everybody knows who he is because he's a good player, it hadn't produced he hadn't produced a win in a while, and this course gave him that opportunity. Right. No, I'm completely with you there. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that you can do a couple different strategies, and I'm gonna try not to mix the strategies. So I'm either in my top twenty plays, I'm either gonna have just go big on Hovland and Day and let the rest ride, or I'm going to do smaller bets on a bunch of different guys to finish in the top 20, and I haven't quite right. figured out which way I'm going to go. Okay. Yeah, um, I think that's a fair. I, I, I found myself getting into that trouble that with Tommy Fleetwood, and it was just because he didn't play well, but I was you know mixing longer odds guys with top, big bets on Tommy Fleetwood and the Asian swing, and then... You know, Tommy Fleetwood wasn't coming through, and then the longer odds guys weren't coming through, where I felt like if I had just stuck to one or the other, like if I, if I take the longer odds bets and put it on somebody else I really think is going to make the top 20 with similar odds to Fleetwood, then I all it's all fine, right? But because I took two different strategies and put it in, I ended up struggling a little bit more there. Yeah, I think you just got to make your stand one way or another, and I'm trying to figure out exactly, you know, trying to figure out what my unit distribution would be in order to ensure that I have the best, you know, the best chance of coming out ahead here. Because, you know, if you're betting, let's say like six whole units on this, I mean, that's a, that's a lot, you know, and you've got to really hit a lot <laughs> to make it come through. So Yeah, for sure. So it just kind of depends. Six, six units is a, uh, the way you've been winning is now a chunk of change for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make, making true. it, making it back isn't as easy as, uh, as it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. Is there, is there what, what's your Mickelson play? I, I didn't, if I missed it, I'm sorry. No, you're good. My Mickelson this week is Emiliano Grillo, and I say that solely for the fact that every time in my life I've bet him or put him in a lineup, he has royally screwed me. So, <laughs> so I don't even know how much I'll have on Grillo, but everything I do with Grillo feels like a Mickelson play, just because he's historically burnt me every time I've played him. And then, in the spirit of this, what is who, what is your power fade? Who are you absolutely staying away from? I'm gonna stay away from Tony Finau this week. Oh, that's I, mine. I just, I just, I just don't, don't, and it's weird because like, I've been so on him the last few weeks, but his play just hasn't matched his price or his betting odds. So I'm out on Finau this week. All right. Yeah. That, that's pretty much how I feel. And you know, he can obviously prove me wrong. I think we're all rooting for Finau. We like Finau. Yeah, for sure. I love Tony Finau. So it's just a matter of him, you know, putting, putting his money where our mouth is, so to speak. Or putting our money where his mouth is. I don't know. Something like that. I don't think anybody should be putting anybody's money where <laughs> anybody else's mouth is. Fair enough. Uh, uh, who's, who's your draw this week, then? I, I just keep finding myself coming back to Kisner. And I don't know why. Like, I mean, he, there's just something tantalizing about him. And I think that he is, like I said, I think he's Matt Kuchar light. I think I'm probably going to be overweight for, for him on, on DFS. And I'm going to have definitely going to have him in my top 10 so i think that that's just someone i just i can't ignore I, I keep coming back to him how about you doc redmond is mine this week okay i'm gonna i'm gonna stick by my he finishes top 10 this week i've got him in a lot of lineups i really like his odds for top 10 and he's only eight percent as of yesterday when i looked at this he was only eight point something percent owned big on doc redmond this week all right well is there anything else uh yeah well i guess we could talk about my one prop bet that i really really like oh week. yes oh yes oh yes what is it uh, Scotty Scheffler is in three ball. You can get minus 110 against Robert Shrub, who I think has made one cut this year, and Roger Sloan, who is just not that great of a golfer. And you get him at minus 110. Like, he's by far the best player in the group. And I would put, I would set that at like minus 140 or something, I think, if I was, you know, the bookmaker. Obviously, something can go wrong, but 
Scheffler's been his strongest of the first two rounds in every tournament this year. He shot a 62 opening round at Bermuda, so I'm pretty... That actually might end up being my Mickelson play. I don't know, but I really, really like that play. Okay, and nothing wrong with that. You know, I I like Scheffler, and yeah, and that I don't have I don't have anything bad to say about it. Do we have anything else? That's it. That's it. All right, it's a wrap. I think it's going to be a fun tournament. I'm glad that we get to watch golf at normal hours, and I think feel pretty. Do, feel, I feel pretty good. Do we have this tournament back on like the PGA Plus thing where we get to watch the? I I do believe so. Yes. Oh, thank God. That was that was kind of what I missed the most. Like, yeah, just having I, the featured groups. Yeah, I like. Well, I like to watch the whole tournament. I guess it's because you know I don't have a job right now. I start Monday, but but like at, at the time, like I don't know. I really enjoyed being able to just like wake up and golf was on and not have to wait till like I guess for me eleven a.m. for them to put it on Golf Channel or whatever to have right. to watch. It. Like I, I enjoyed watching the totality of the day of golf as opposed to just you know the three or four hours they show on Golf Channel. So I'm excited to have that back as well, and also to watch golf at normal hours again. So. <laughs> yeah i think i think that's definitely the key for me it was just it was very trying to do it otherwise yeah no kidding that's all we have for you this week thanks for tuning back in if you want to reach out to us on social i am at james paul for slaughter is at slaughter and you can reach the show at in the Badcast. all of our podcasts go up on spotify and itunes so if you want to download <clears throat> subscribe follow any of that stuff leave a comment i know that Julie Slaughter left an amazing comment about how great we are there. It would go a long way uh, in helping us out and putting us closer to the top of of people's searches for golf podcasts. That's all we have for you this week. Hopefully everybody's plays work out, and hopefully you'll tune into us next week to make sure you have the right clubs and the bag. (laughs) 